You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, everybody. How's it going? I want to tell you about our friends from Washington, Sinusoid. The Soid Boys have been sponsoring this podcast for quite some time, and I want to just give a big public thank you to Andy and Anthony and Kevin and the rest of the crew up there. They, uh, they're doing great things, and they're uh, really putting out a great product. And if you haven't had a chance to scope out any of their wares yet, might I suggest something that we all need? Speaker cable. Everybody needs a speaker cable. So check out the Sasquatch. It's a huge, beefy, beast-like speaker cable, and one of the cool things is, like, it's so very obviously not an instrument cable, you're not going to have any mistakes, most likely, unless somebody's uh, had a few too many cold ones, uh, you're not going to have any mistakes with somebody plugging in an instrument cable um, from your amp to your speaker cab, which, as a lot of you probably know, is bad. It's bad. Don't do it. Use a speaker cable. So the Sasquatch will ensure that that is very unlikely to happen because it's huge. It's like that. There's no there's no instrument cables that are that are made that way. And, and you pick it up, you really feel like you're holding a substantial piece of equipment because you are. They're all made up in Washington, one at a time, to order, and they have a hundred year warranty. So unless you're planning on living way into some sort of you know mutated state where you're beyond human, uh, then I think you're going to be good. should be the last cable you ever need. So hit up the Soid boys, and as the kids say, treat yourself. We are also brought to you by, actually, today's guest. Today's guest is Sean Arbo from Gun Street Wiring Shop. He decided to make the trek up to Portland, and, you know, I won't do uh, too much, but they did. they did technically sponsor this episode, so... Make sure you check out Gun Street Wiring Shop. They're the place to go for all of your wiring harness needs, and Sean will work hard to ensure you get exactly what you want, functioning exactly the way you need it. So hit up GunStreetWiringShop.com and check their wares, and he's really open. If there's anything that uh, you think you need, um, he can do it for you. He's also got his standard kits that they've uh, perfected over the years, and the install is is really easy. If it's easy for me, it guarantee it's going to be easy for you. So hit up GunStreetWiringShop.com. And without further ado, let's talk to Sean. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the ToneMob.com podcast, a show about guitar tone and the people behind it. I'm your host, Blake Wyland, and with me today, I have Sean Arbo of Gun Street Wiring Shop, actually live in the Shred Shed this time. We're not we're not remoting it. <laughs> we're not phoning this one in, as they call it. Probably so, better that way. So, I don't know. You, how's your drive? How's the commute into in, commute into work today? It's pretty good. I mean, I make the drive a lot with my wife being here or from here, um, being from Gresham. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's you know just like another another drive over the hill. This time I'm not seeing grandma though. <laughs> and it, and it comes uh, to find out that just by chance your aunt lives. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Right in my neighborhood, basically. The next block over small world it's really small that's so crazy 
how many times have I driven by here accidentally? Yeah, now that's even funnier. Like, yeah, I was probably in here playing fuzz pedals and exactly. you're out driving around the neighborhood. It's like, by, wait, what's that sound? I hear it. I hear square waves. <laughs> I hear them somewhere. But, um, you know, a lot of the listeners know you've been sponsoring the podcast for a while mm-hmm. and they know, you know, I've talked about your products and what you do. But I think what might be more important is to get uh, get your backstory. You know, people don't just wake up one day and start, you know, making guitar parts for, for a living. So... How did uh, how did that come to be? Um, you know, start start from way back. When did you first start playing and and all that? Well, I guess for the most part, I've always my family is very artistic and very all about doing things your own way. Um, so that's probably one of the 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 main thing that caused me to be partially where I'm here. Um, and then you know. Um, the second probably biggest focus and what really got me stuck on playing guitar is I kind of grew up with a mystery illness and, and I had a lot of free time, which guitar ended up, you know, making making that time go by so much quicker. Um, my start with guitar was when I was like 13 or 14. Um, I have an older brother who tried to play guitar uh, and my parents bought him everyone's favorite entry level guitar which was a slammer hammer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It actually wasn't that bad of a guitar. No, they're not. Um, especially for its price. But my brother really never, it never stuck with my brother. Um, so it ended up just kind of hanging out in his in his room for most of his life. And then, so when my brother would be at school, I would go and sneak into his room and, <laughs> and then, you know, turn the amp, the tiny little Dean, Dean amp up as loud as I can go and I would play and I'd learn. It really, I caught on really quickly and I really loved loved it. it it was also like that kind of time in your life where you really love music and you really understand the importance of of what music can do and, and especially for for my circumstances of where i was at that time it was like that one special thing um where how that kind of changed into to later i i guess it's it's interesting as as more and more people are associating me with with guitar electronics and building guitar electronics mm-hmm. um I would classify myself more of a, a, a guitar builder or or more more or less a, a modder. Um, and, and that really kind of ties into kind of my experience with guitar. Um, so my brother found out that I was stealing his guitar and, and playing. Uh, he came home from school when he really shouldn't have. And uh, <laughs> exactly, I, right. I got in trouble that night. He didn't. Uh, so then my parents ended up buying me my very first guitar, which was a a first act, like the cheapest first act you can get. Mm-hmm. It was a Telecaster shape. Um, the most brutal guitar ever in the sense of it's it's truly unplayable uh, oh, no. i would <laughs> i would play it and then you'd end up with like just cuts on your hands from just how sharp those frets were mm-hmm. um so you know that was kind of the, also the start of like okay i'm gonna try to make this a little bit better just at least playable because i didn't know if i could get another guitar um and then eventually my parents kind of saw that okay that's really dangerous that he's playing that uh so they bought me a Ibanez Geo, which um, I, I not saying it's a bad guitar, but it wasn't a guitar that fit me. And and quickly I was like, okay, I really don't like that guitar. And I, at that time I couldn't really define why I didn't like it. Mm-hmm. And then my parents ended up buying me a um, an Epiphone Les Paul standard type. It was technically a classic, so that's like the quilted top one, right? And I really, I loved the shape of that. I loved the look on that. 
but I couldn't play it because what I ended later up found it out um, through my uncle, who's also like a super guitar geek, um, is it's a thin neck. And I, I'm a tall guy, but back then I still wasn't really that tall, but my hands were gigantic. Mm -hmm. So I really needed that, that like super thick uh, 50s, like basal bat and or 59 neck. Mm -hmm. um, but when you try to explain that to my parents, um, it was a little challenging to be like, well, it's just because it's the neck, which to them, they're not very, they like music, but they aren't musicians. So they don't really, they didn't grasp it at the time. And plus, probably looking back as as an adult, I'm like, they're probably still paying off the, the last guitar they bought for me. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. So, so at that point, you know, I didn't, I wasn't going to get any new guitars. And so my personality type is, is, you know, I, I roll with the punches is, and that was really when I started getting into um, what really makes a guitar a, a fun, playable guitar and, mm -hmm. and, and getting into setting up the guitar properly and, you know, how the action affects all the stuff. So I really got into modding in that sense. I wouldn't take modding sound wise. That was kind of later on, but I got into kind of making a more playable guitar and I maxed those guitars out to the best of my ability with how limited my, my funds are. Um, and then somehow, it's really not that surprising if you know me, uh, I got <laughs> yeah, I got into building guitars and, and I begged and begged and begged my parents to buy me like a, a really nice guitar. Uh, one, it was unrealistic because my parents are, they're not, they're not the richest, but they're not like broke. So they couldn't really afford it, mm -hmm. but they really did try to help. Um, so they couldn't afford the guitar I want. So my buddy Curry, his dad built cabinets. So I had access to a shop and then somehow I was like, okay, you know, I think I can build it. Mm -hmm. And I ended up, you know, planning out every single detail. And I originally wanted to build a Les Paul standard, which it's funny nowadays thinking about it because the complexity of a Les Paul standard to build itself is pretty advanced. I was going to say. Yeah, yeah. And for your first guitar, I don't think it's going to turn out pretty well. Um, it might. I don't know. But it didn't. And so I wanted a Les Paul because at the time that was my my favorite shape. And, and to this day, it's probably my top top two. SG mm -hmm. is number one. Um, and so I was like going through it. and I And I tend to be the person who... I think my favorite thing to do about when building something or just even doing anything is the physical planning side of it. Like I, I could spend the most of my time planning it to a, a weird detail that I can never actually achieve, but I, I know what I want to do. Right. Um, so I ended up doing that and I discovered cost wise, the Les Paul standard wasn't going to catch. It ended up being like, you know, $2,400 the way I wanted to do it, mm -hmm. which is no way. Uh, I, I figured out that my parents were were more likely to to let me build a guitar if I did it in small increments. So it's like I can buy a fretboard one one week or uh, wood for for a neck another week. So mm -hmm. it ended up being I ended up going through it and I factored in that the Les Paul Junior was mm -hmm. the the shape I wanted and the build I wanted, and it ended up costing my parents probably like 30 bucks a, a week or maybe month. It's not so, too bad. No, yeah. not too bad at all. And and knowing myself, I knew it was going to take me forever to do uh, just because it's like, I've never done this. Um, so I did that. I, and that was my first experience with building. And I built that guitar over 
the next year and a half, maybe a little bit longer because it ended up being like I had a set budget that I could do. Uh, and then there's something like when you plan stuff, you can't really plan it perfectly. So then there's like the specialized tools that like, oh, this month means mm-hmm. I got to go buy a, a certain kind of file or a certain bit. So it took me a little bit longer. Um, but right when I was about to finish, the only thing I had left to do um, was to basically set up the action. Um, my parents got a little bit of a little bit of extra money. Um, and at this time, um, to give more context, my the, because I, I kind of grew up sick with this mystery illness, I missed out on a lot of school. And at this time, I was 16 or 17. Okay. Um, and I had been out of school for about two years, and that, which is big. Especially like, during that time of the, your life. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. There's a reason. I apologize apologize if I meet people in in person and I'm little kind of out there. It's because I'd spent a lot of time by myself. Um, But my parents wanted to use that that little extra money they got to kind of to kind of get me to go. uh, At the time, they said it just to go back to school. Um, But then I was telling them the story that about how like that's one of that moments for that kind of changed my path for life. And they said it wasn't, wasn't just going back to school, but it was at that point, it was, um, again, we were talking about a formative life, is I didn't really, I had my set friends who were like, they're my friends for life, and, and I was just hanging out with one this past weekend. Mm-hmm. And and they would hang out with me periodically, and, and they also played music, so we'd all have a jam band. But I would never leave the house. And what they wanted to do with this guitar was, get me to go back to school and to graduate. And then also to kind of like push me out of my comfort zone mm-hmm. and and get me to go over to their houses to play music. I don't know if it's because they're, you know, they didn't might not have liked our music at that time. It's a little loud and and against their against, <laughs> <laughs> against my dad's James Taylorness. Right. Um, but it it was that kind of it was a really awesome thing. And we ended up finding a 2005 SG Faded that was one, a phenomenal guitar. I got really lucky with that guitar, and and two was in my my price range. Um, but to kind of segue it back into guitar building, um, right? I got the I got the the Gibson, and it played super super nice, and it felt so amazing, and I really liked it. And I I basically took all the measurements for string height. Um, the bridge height and everything, and I replicated it on that Les Paul Junior. Okay, got so it. So it played it played really really nice. Mm-hmm. And most people, when you were when you were to say, "Oh, that guitar was built by a 15 or or however old I was," they would be like, "Oh, that's that's funny," but it's it was true. Mm-hmm. Um, but my this was probably because I got it right around end of school year, what would be people's school year, and right around my birthday. Um, but every summer, my uncle came from from town he's from uh, martinez california shout out to martinez fans <laughs> all two of you yeah. um but he came up and he's he was one of those people who were really like who helped me kind of grow as as a guitar lover and explain to me a lot of times like why certain body shapes are, are the way they are and, and he was someone i really looked up to and so 
he comes up, brings up his custom Gibson custom shop, Les Paul. That was like, it, it was it was so fancy. I don't even know if they did this or if this was like a custom made thing. But when you open the case, mm-hmm. it had a light that went on the guitar. Oh no way! Yeah, yeah. I don't. <laughs> I've never seen it since. Or I don't know if it. He's also uh, like slightly a, like a tinkerer himself, so he could have probably done it himself. Right. Um, but my parents uh, trying to kind of to kind of help me out and and get me to to it sounds really weird and, and, and really bad but like get me out of the bed because a lot of times the way my sickness was is I would be fine for a couple hours and then I'd be really sick for another three hours and then I'd be fine so a lot of times I would just end up staying in my bed and, and hiding behind books mm-hmm. um, so my parents let let me control the entire garage so they never parked their cars in the garage and they let me and my friends bring all their you know their drums their bass like a whole setup so you can do that and we even had like a little recording studio it was it was fun um but my uncle goes into to the garage and lets his his you know super high-end guitar out on the stand and the entire time he doesn't touch it the entire week he only plays my Les Paul Jr. And like the way the guitar, the, the garage was, was set up is you wouldn't, it, you could easily sneak in there without people knowing. Right. So, okay. so my, my uncle's like, like has the, the amp at like completely like at 10, like my neighbors probably hated us that week. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and he's playing my Les Paul Jr. And he's really getting into it. And, and it's like, it's like probably you probably do this all the time. I do this where, where when you, you play guitar and you, you know, you screw around with the controls, but then you like stop there and you look at it and you look at, he would look at the action. He'd look at the neck. He'd look at all these kind of parts of it. And he had this like big grin on his face, mm-hmm. and it was like that first experience where something I I can make has such a distinct kind of impact on someone, and, mm-hmm. and can create such a, a an awesome feeling in someone. And and that was probably one. I was probably always going to have my own business. I come from a family who's like, that's what you do. You you know you always want to be businesses like the best part of life and it's really fun experience to have your own. Um, but I never had a definition of what I wanted to do. Uh, and guitars was going to be that one thing that, that was a a clicking moment. That was that clicking moment. And that was like, I technically wanted to be a guitar builder. Um, and then wiring harnesses came in and later, uh, and came in after kind of interacting with the community. Um, and, and kind of came out of, well, one gun street was founded. I should say gun street wiring shop gun street, when I started Gun Street in 2015, it was technically Gun Street Guitar Emporium because mm-hmm. uh, I, I wanted to sell vintage guitars and, and have my own little aspect of that. But the the wiring harness was like the small side. I've always built wiring harnesses for like kind of extra money, um, but I did it in a way that people really took on to it and, and it kind of turned into its own unique thing. Mm-hmm. And and now it is what it is. And, and so far, people are really liking it. And it's really fun to do and it's really fun to interact with people because you always have your own idea of like what sounds cool. Right. And then, and then you interact with people who are like, no, no, this is, this is what sounds cool. Yeah. Everyone's got, got their different ideas. So, so you, you the, the wiring harnesses though. So like you started out, you were going to sell some vintage guitars that mm-hmm. kind of became the thing. Um, you know when did you know what was your first wiring harness that still is not that's still kind of a like most guitar builders don't 
they might wire them up themselves, but they don't sell the harnesses. No. So like, how did that happen? So for most part, um, I spent a lot of my time on the Les Paul forum on the Luther's Corner. And a lot of times you would interact and you'd see people build their own uh, guitars and everything. And I always wanted to try that. So I started building my own guitars. And and at at start, I kind of understood how it worked. And, and I could I could copy a diagram very, very well. Um, but I've always been someone who's kind of very cautious about anything I do. And so I was like, okay, I'll just buy one. Because there is, at this time, you can find them on eBay. Mm-hmm. So I, I bought it from some random guy. And, and a lot of times, here's a kind of a, like a, a inside thing of the, the wiring economy, if you want to get into it, um, is you have a wide spectrum of people who produce wiring harnesses. You have your, your kind of, on one side, your people who just flat out copying diagrams and selling them as is, but have no grasp of why it actually works. Mm-hmm. And then on the other side, you have the people who are really passionate about it and, and can tell you every single detail. Um, but the guy I bought from from on eBay, uh, I had a kind of just a generalized question on on how something worked. And and luckily he was really cool about it. He was kind of like, well, I really don't know how how to fix it or or how it really works. I just flat out, he was like, he's like, the person who I ended up kind of later being with just, he did it for extra cash to pay for his other hobby. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's, you know, he flat out was like, I don't, I don't know. And so any kind of question I had for that person, he just couldn't answer it. So that was kind of the start of like, okay, if you're selling this, you really should know what you're doing. Um, and then I ended up again, trying it else, still kind of got that on eBay. I ended up going through a guy on the Les Paul forum and he was kind of like well known in the community. And and I, at that point I could wire my own and I was really good at wiring the set kind of simple like 50s or modern or, or the volume bleed kind of stuff. That's easy. But then when it got to something like a really complex, I ended up buying, it was the Jimmy Paint Chardonnay, which even nowadays I, I'm, it's a pain. It is a complex harness, and, and it it is. I get where this the story as as a business owner. I get where it can lead to where this is headed. Okay. Um, but so I had issues with that harness, and then I contacted him. And I don't. It's been so long that I can't remember if like maybe I worded it wrong, or maybe it came off as me attacking. Um, but he kind of flat out was like, you know, I hate dealing with noobs. Like this is, you shouldn't be doing this if you don't know what you're doing. And it, and it kind of like turned into this, like really, I was, it was really, I'm, I'm somewhat sensitive when it comes to that kind of stuff. It's like one, I'm really trying to work. I'm sincerely trying to, to improve myself and, and be better. But then you have someone who kind of just belittles it and makes you feel like, well, how it wasn't a very fun experience on both parties. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't condone and this that. This was the guy from the forum. Yeah, right? this was the guy in the forum, and this right. was a guy who, in 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 the forum himself, was like known for for being like this this prodigy of wiring, mm-hmm. and and it was sort like of a that, guru type. He guy. grew, yeah, and, yeah. and so it's it's like it's like that guru just completely insults you and says uh, and and tells you that you shouldn't be doing this, and that was kind of again that one where it's like now. After that guy, I'm going to learn every single part I can. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to know why that. And I ended up, like, the troubleshooting, I figured it out and what it was. And it was an accident. And, and it was one of those ones where it's like, 
it's a really complex harness and it's really easy to screw up. Mm -hmm. Like it's really, and, and coming from it from a business side and, and doing this full time, like there's stuff that happens, you know, and, and this guy was actually doing it for part time. Like he had his own job and on free time he would still do it. Mm -hmm. And so it, like, there's so many variables that it's like, I don't blame him for it breaking because it's, or not breaking, but not working because it's, it's really easy to screw up. The only thing I have like negative context towards is just the conversation, the conversation, yeah. don't, don't, be nice to everyone. Mm -hmm. And and I guess, and that also is, is kind of tied into Gun Street now is, is more of, I really want to help people. I want to, if you're my 15 year old self, I want to help you out as much as I can. And, and that's also why like, I go above and beyond when instructions, like I have my diagram and, and there's that, and it shows you how to, to install the pickups. But I also want to do you know, I also have my online instructions that show you step by step. Mm -hmm. uh, and then eventually on some of these things, we already have like a troubleshooting. So it's like, I really want to help out as much as I can out of that kind of that experience of dealing with with him. Um, and then another thing that kind of led into Gun Street or at least um, the, the way I wire and I sell wiring products is uh, in the forum, it was right in the beginning of like, when uh, people are going crazy over matched pots and paper and oil capacitors mm -hmm. and how those were absolutely phenomenal. And I saved up a ton of money and bought a kit from a, a well-known person and I installed it. And it was like that biggest like want want moment. Oh no. no. You know what I mean? Like, and then I was like, okay, well, is it just like my guitar or anything? And then it kind of got into this point where, and, and Cole from the Gear Slum mm -hmm. recently made a comment about it, like how there's a side of the wiring mark that really charge you for slightly mojo. And I hated that because I had that feeling. And I I got to the point where it's like, when I build products, I really try to be as realistic as I can about one telling you, I'm not gonna claim that I sprinkle, I might, I might put scent in the box. There's that's still being debated <laughs> on the forums. I'm not going to confirm nor deny that. Um, but I I really want to give you the most unbiased opinion on that. Um, and and before you know, I should probably do a disclaimer. The views and opinions are my own and not gun sheets. Um, but like, there's nothing wrong with match pots. And in certain situations, match pots are are a good thing to do. And then especially again, paper and oil capacitors. There's nothing wrong with them um and they do they sound phenomenal when you get a really nice paper and oil capacitor um but what i was kind of referring to is at least in the les paul form there was the 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 selling of like the paper and oil is what caused the sound right yeah and and and, like and the construction of it is construction what is what it is the mojo mm -hmm. and and it's not necessarily accurate per se um what really and hopefully people are you know all capsers coming on they're, yelling they're, at they're me. thinking about they're it. thinking about they're it they're thinking about uh, it exactly yeah. he's wrong um what makes a really nice quality capacitor is is how accurate it reads it's like you can have a, a cap that says it's supposed to be like a les paul when it would be like a zero a point zero two two mm -hmm. but it actually might measure something like a 0 0.07 or even like a 0.47. It's not necessarily what makes a high quality part of high quality is the tolerance and how that, and a lot of times people misunderstand that what makes the sound so much better is the physical, um, 
is is not not the mojo, but the like actual, the actual parts. construction. The actual it. construction. Yeah, and and that even goes down to. Um, I mean, there's a lot of it, like the verse American pots versus metric pots, and there is some theory behind it. And there is a little bit, of, a little bit of tribalism, but my goal is I try to stay out of it, mm-hmm. even though it's really hard to not be like, no, 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 don't, please, don't attack this. The reason is that so I, I my approach with Gun Street was kind of being really re- realistic. I offer a really wide spectrum of of things because I want to deal with everyone in the community not the select few Mm -hmm. i want to i want to sell to my 15 year old self or i want to sell to that person who just is starting to get in um i guess it also kind of ties back to is is in my head guitar has kind of really saved saved my life in per se right is it's i was in being sick probably the first 23 years of my life um it, it kind of limits your outlook on on the rest of life mm-hmm. and and guitar was one of that one thing that was like gave me hope and and it was also like that like the social interaction of being in the community was like the the best part of it mm-hmm. so my goal is is kind of like any way i can help other people out in no matter your skill level is is the best part of of building products um but kind of long segue back to what you're referring to um <laughs> is is so when i started out gun street selling guitars i've always had that premise of, of of building those harnesses and that's when i build a harness that's where i come from um but it really took off like people really like that people like that you know it's very user-friendly it's people like that i'm not like up upping my price because of of being you know i'm not Putting that in, so it started out with with me doing partial guitars, partial wiring harnesses, and 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 then for only till recently, I was working full time um, at a different job, and and Gun Street was kind of like my my passion my, project. My I'm, passion, like yeah. this is, I mean, to this day, Gun Street is probably solely passion. Um, but as as it kind of it turned out is. I no longer could search for vintage guitars to sell because most of my free time was going into building the wiring harnesses. Gotcha. Because the demand the for those went up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then it ended up going to the demand was so big that I had to cut my hours at my work. Mm-hmm. And then and then the demand got to, to the point where it's like, okay, I only can focus on uh, on wiring harnesses. Mm-hmm. I, for, I have my business model for my vintage guitar that I'm going to save for later. Right, and, and you'll have another another one, different different tone mob uh, episode. There we go, uh, perfect. Um, but for the most part, Gun Street is going to be just you know the Gun Street wiring shop and and the whole kind of morality that comes with that. Hi, I'm Vincent, and I'm here to talk about the Mercury X. My dad's always going on and on about how cool Maris is. He really went off on one about the Mercury X the other day. He said something about a 4,800 hertz sample rate and 99 preset locations in 33 banks and something along the lines of the most advanced reverb pedal ever devised by man? That's all true, but I only care about one thing. This pedal sounds sick. So make sure you check out the Mercury X and all the other fine products at Maris.us. 
as well as fine retailers worldwide. All right, Dad, now can I have my talkie? How exactly do artists get their music on Spotify, Apple Music, Deezer, Tidal, all these services? How in the world do you get your music there? Well, in the past, you had to use something called a record label. But these days, you can use DistroKid. DistroKid is the absolute easiest way to get your music up on streaming services. And it's the most affordable way to do so. Not only do plans start at $22.99 for the entire year, that's less than 2 bucks a month, DistroKid also does not take a cut of your streaming revenue, unlike some other services out there. Even better if you sign up by going to ToneMob.com slash DistroKid. That's ToneMob.com slash DistroKid. One more time, that's ToneMob.com slash DistroKid. You'll get 30% off. That's right, 30% off. They're already extremely reasonable prices. So go to ToneMob.com slash DistroKid and get your music out there. So you started, uh, like you said, you were on the Les Paul forum, mm-hmm. and you are a big Gibson guy. Big Gibson. Um, Gibson for life. For life. Whoa. For life. No, that's a lie. I like Fenders now. <laughs> just just like as of last week? As of about two months ago. Yeah, I really like Fenders. I, I finally got my first Telecaster. That was a, a experience. And then a Jaguar, mm-hmm. also experience. And is that what, that, I'm assuming that's what made you start making harnesses for those uh, as well. Kind of. It's more of... I don't like making things based off of just like uh, off of diagrams. Like I like to like know what fits. So I ended up like people were requesting Telecaster harnesses. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to go buy. I bought two two Squire uh, uh, Telecasters identical. And I used one for for really a teardown to kind of get most of the measurements. And I did another one for, for instructions. Mm-hmm. Um, and those were sweet guitars. They have like doesn't matter what you what the price range was. They sounded so fun to play. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, those also have massive falling. And then same with the Jaguar. I originally actually was gonna get the Jaguar to start doing harnesses, but that ended up being not as much requested as Jazzmasters. But they're relatively similar, and I ended up getting a Jazzmaster pickguard to do that. Gotcha, gotcha. But it was main main reason was people are asking for it. Yeah. And I really try to help if people are asking for something. I'm really I sincerely listen to my customers and I sincerely want to I want to help out as much as I can. Mm-hmm. Give the people what they want. Exactly. Right. Good times. So what is uh interesting, let's maybe we need to talk about some of your musical influences because sometimes when since we've already talked off microphone a lot, uh-huh. I most of the people that I remember remember us talking about, I don't picture them as Gibson guys, really. No, you and know. Seem, so, like, maybe talk about some of your, your musical influences. and Because, and, like, you don't just fall in love with the guitar, generally. You fall in love with the music and then the guitar. I guess that's the case. But I also, it could be the fact that my very first legit guitar was that SG. Mm-hmm. And then ever since then. But, I mean, you are kind of true. Most of, like, Tom Waits is a huge, huge love of mine. And he plays... Um, he plays a bunch of guitars, but yeah, one of his go-to of is his Dan Electrico, mm-hmm. and and that is his and has that unique sound. And then the another one, oh, okay, I'll give you another experience that maybe why um, the very first quote-unquote rock band I got onto mm-hmm. was the Doors. Okay, and and Robbie Krueger 
played a 61, if I believe. Uh, it was it was a 61 style SG, or technically Les Paul. I may right. be wrong. It's <laughs> right. been too many years. Um, so that was another one where it's like, um, I love that shape. But for the most part, you were you kind of right. It's most of my influences, uh, Violent Femmes. I was a big Violent Femmes fan growing up. Um, all about the angst. Uh, <laughs> Gordon Gano played a thin line Telecaster. Who else? I mean, again, you, you are, I never really thought about that. Most of my influences never did play the guitars I ended up playing. No, yeah, it's a, the, you know, the Les Pauls and the, the SGs and stuff, they're very much associated with classic rock and, and blues to some degree. Not so much seems like you have a lot more sort of, uh, alternative type leanings, yeah. you know, uh, we talked about, obviously we talked about Tom Waits. We were talking about Modest Mouse earlier, yeah. you know, and, uh, what, what did you say? It was your, my cousin, your cousin, my cousin played in, I can't remember what his bands now, but his, the band changed into, uh, the Dave was it the Dave Depper, uh, experience. The guy's still around. He recently did, um, a, a re-recording of, uh, Paul McCartney's Ram. Okay. And so he was a big band, but he ended up touring with, Modest Mouse before they they were getting big, but they weren't like over the top. Um, I also I probably say most of my musical experience and in, in my love, and especially for for proto punk and, and I should just say punk in general, uh, comes from my cousin Max um, and him. My my dad won an iPod, uh, first generation iPod, and we had no music. and And my parents' music is either the Beatles or my dad loves James Taylor. Like, I mean, the most kind of weird, not consistent <laughs> musical influences at all. Um, and so we ended up giving to my cousin Max, and he filled it up with, with this, just eclectic music. And I guess that's where, although I will say. A very punk s guitar is a Les Paul Jr. Oh well, that's for sure. I will give you that one. Yeah. Yes, I think you know now. You know, kind of processing. It, I think most of my love for Gibson comes from from guitar building because, in, in sense, Gibsons at least at least Les Pauls were beautiful, beautifully designed guitars and, and that really beautiful thick maple top. Mm -hmm. um, but also on the same side, Fenders were. Leo Fender and the way he manufactured guitars was just like, I mean, that's the way amount of energy engineering that came. It was just brilliant. So I, I also have that aspect, but now I, now I'm questioning everything. <laughs> that's what I, that's what I do. Existential crisis going on right I, now. I make, I make people question <laughs> themselves and everything they thought they knew. Exactly. Uh, no, it's just, uh, it's just interesting to, to hear because, you know, sometimes I've, I've found that these things don't make a lot of sense. No. Like, um, I mean, I liked I liked Gibson, you know, from day one because my dad said that he liked Gibson, but he doesn't really play electric guitar very often. He plays acoustic primarily. So why did I fall in love with the Les Paul so hard? I don't really know. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, when I was, you know, young, a lot of the Melkor bands that I liked were playing Les Pauls and Les Paul Customs, and a lot of the punk bands I liked were playing Les Paul Juniors, but I, I don't know. It didn't really make a lot of sense because... I just decided one day that I liked Les Pauls, and and then when I got one, I was like, "Well, look at me! I'm a Gibson guy. Exactly. Like, that's just what I am." But I mean, I loved country music, and that, you know, you know, love Waylon Jennings growing up. Waylon Jennings is definitely my dad's favorite artist, and like that, he plays a Telecaster. Yeah. But my dad said he was a Gibson man, so yeah. I thought, well, I must be a Gibson man too. <laughs> you know, that just makes sense. Um, 
It's inherited thing. It is. It must be. <laughs> but as I, you know, as I've gotten older and like played more and more electric guitars, it's like it didn't take me very long to figure out that it, I just like electric guitars. That's. I think that's the key. <laughs> I I like electric guitars, and and I even like individual guitars. Like we were talking about this earlier, it's like there's certain guitars that like. Uh, I think we were talking about this. I, I talk we, about this a lot. We, we've been talking about a lot of things. Exactly. So. Uh, and even if you get into, like, a prime example is my my 2005 SG Faded. I have, it's a cheap guitar, so there's a lot of them. Mm-hmm. And I've gotten the opportunity to play a lot of them. And there's something about mine that is so much better. Like, the play, the way it plays, the way, I guess the way it sounds has now changed to me being me. And, and it's been redone through every screw. Um but the way it plays is relatively the same. And I think that's the, the biggest thing about guitars itself is it really, def- it's defined by the individual guitar, not necessarily by the shape. Mm-hmm. And it takes a while to learn or, or to to love, you love the general shape, but there's that one guitar that really makes or breaks it. Yeah, and it's, it's weird too, because sometimes you have an idea of what you think you want. And then, you know, I like for instance, uh, my telly, I, I always thought when I get a Telecaster, I'm going to get a Telecaster. It's going to have a maple neck. It's going to be the standard traditional Telecaster. And the more I played those, and I do like them, the more I played them, it's like, no, I'm really stuck on like rosewood necks (laughs) or fretboards rather like two humbuckers. That's pretty much all I have except for the millimetric, which is walnut and feels very similar. Like everything's rosewood. And I think it's, I think I am stuck on that because I played lots of tellies and liked lots of them, but I like my Tilly Custom the best. And part of it has to do with like it's rosewood and then it has a humbucker in the neck. <laughs> so it's like, like uh, just, I, uh, I don't know. It's a, it's a, it's a weird thing. What we, what we grow attached to. Cause exactly. I, I thought I had a pretty good variety, but the, it was like a few months ago. I was looking like, Nope, all dark necks around here. No, uh, I, I will say, so my wife gives me crap all the time. Cause I will buy buy guitars, whether I'll buy guitars for myself or, or buy guitars for Gun Street to use for either reference or, or instructions. Um, but I tend to buy, I think I have four Les Paul-shaped guitars, mm-hmm. uh, two Telecasters. I have, I mean, I tend to buy things in threes. Okay. And they are relatively, it's like, they they are different. We'll say that, but they're always the same. And, and it's probably kind of what you say is mm-hmm. no matter how much you try to go against the grain, it ended up just going to what you like. And I guess that's, I think that's the biggest thing about guitar and, and anything you do in guitars. Does it, do you like it? And if you like it, then what's wrong with what you choose? I I mean, there, there isn't anything. I mean, no. I'll, I'll make fun of people who use the Helix all day long, but I'm not serious about it. No. Like it works and it sounds good and it works for you. That means that that is the right answer. Some people like want to like make sure that they, have the right thing. I'm like, well, does it do you like how it sounds? Does it does it play like you want? Does it do the thing you're trying to do? If the answer is yes to all those, then that's the right one. And it doesn't matter if it costs $20 or if it costs $2,000. If it is something that works for you, it works for you. And what I say about it doesn't really matter. No, exactly. And that and, and that also comes down to to a lot of times with with uh, guitar wiring too is a lot of people will, will tell me it's like oh well I'm only supposed to do this I was like no 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 you can do whatever you want the guidelines say you should do uh, give you a reference of something like is is um, 500k pots versus 200k pots mm-hmm. and people say okay well 500k you're supposed to use for humbuckers 200k you're supposed to use for 
for single coils. I mean, you could use either or. You could even use one mag pots. It really comes down to defining of how do you define your sound? Mm -hmm. What is your your thing and do you like it? That's the key is do you like it? And if you if you like it, then why not? Right. Well, and that's it's hard. It's really funny, especially with the single coil thing. I've heard that. Yeah, 200K with single coils. I'm like, well, P90 is a single coil. Yeah. But it sounds different than my Tele single coil or, you know, my Supro inspired ones in the Roni. Uh, it's like those are all single coils. Yeah. And, and, all and that's a 500K in the in in the volume. Mm -hmm. Pa is a 500K and then a 200K in the tone. Right. So that's also like that goes against the grain. Mm hmm. It's, it's like, what is the right answer? The right answer is, does it sound good? Exactly. Yeah. Do you like it? Mm -hmm. Then good. Yeah. I, I I mean, there's something to be said for, like, if you're trying to, you know, keep a vintage guitar as original true. as possible. Very true. That's a little different, though. If you're trying to keep it vintage, it's like, be very cautious about what you do. Mm -hmm. Don't just, it is, it, uh, I have a hard time being for, again i'm i i like buying vintage vintage guitars mm -hmm. and my favorite is fender broncos well fender broncos are are still kind of like the underdogs and you can still get them cheap um but the parts are worth more than the guitar itself so oh, really? I, yeah so i'm like that person who like i want to save every single one so i at one point i had like four or five mm -hmm. and and i looked like a madman um just hoarding them all i'm not getting them out mm -hmm. um but a lot of times like especially with vintage it's like respect that vintage instrument like that is is something that's made it this long let's keep it as, as close as we can to keep it going so someone else can have another experience with it that's one thing that i've i found kind of amazing uh this is this is this is related i promise even though it sounds a little <laughs> bit weird I I remember reading a thing one time that said like Taylor Guitars was was producing 600 guitars a day, and I'm like thinking to myself that's a lot of guitars, um, and guitars as long as they're like even slightly properly maintained they don't they don't they last more than one lifetime. Yeah. Like I've always thought that's kind of like that's a lot of guitars that was like where I still not discovered the answer to it. But like where are they going? Yeah. Where are they? Like. 600 guitars a day is a lot, and that's just one company. I one company, we're yeah. Talking, we, we got Fender, Gibson, PRS, plus all the hundreds of smaller builders. It's like, and then the there's that those couple Korean companies that produce a ton of guitars for, for everyone. Like, yeah, different designers, basically. Um, which I, I think that's kind of cool, because it lets people who would not be able to have a company, have a company sometimes. And most of the guitars I played out of that, I wish I could name it, remember the factory name. I think Chapman, Chapman Guitars uses that Ch same factory. It's like Chapman, Duesenberg, Reverend, like a bunch of guys. I know, yeah, it's this, there's, there's in Korea, there's two. But, uh, I can't remember. but they're, they're like generally really good. No, absolutely. And that's mm -hmm. another thing is, is especially in nowadays market, I recently, so Gun Street will make, guitar builds, like we call them shop builds. And it's just where we get to have a little bit of fun and, and, and mod guitars and in my own kind of like what I would do in real life, but uh -huh. I get to do it through Gun Street. Right. Uh, and we picked up a $99 Squire. And to compare that $99 Squire to my $99 first act 20 years ago, oh, right. or, or set amount of years ago, yeah, it's yeah. like night and day. And it's a legit nice guitar and it's, it's a good start. And, and, and like, I'm slightly jealous that I didn't get to start out on that. And maybe, maybe it wouldn't have been in the situation was. Well, yeah, you probably wouldn't have looked to improve it. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's it's fine. True. 
But no, I've I've talked about that a lot. Like the level of quality at the top end has gone up some, mm-hmm. but the level of quality on the low and mid level instruments now compared to like 10, 15 years ago is crazy. Like squires across the board now, if you go pick up a squire, it's gonna play pretty good probably. And if not, it's a couple of tweaks away. Like it's exactly. very unlikely that you get a garbage guitar out of Squire. I think we only ended up spending like 280 bucks. It was still cheaper than getting a vintage modified. And that thing plays, it plays like American, American-made Strat. And it was fun to build. I also, I'm also that person who was like, given the choice between a guitar that I'm allowed to mod right, or a guitar that is like super expensive, I'm going to go for the guitar that's mod. Because when it comes to it, it's expensive, it's like, it's... At that point, to me, it's like an art. It's like an art art piece that like you just kind of want to look at. You don't really want to actually play, but you want to just say, hey, look at that in the corner there. That looks really pretty. <laughs> so and yeah. at the same time, I love playing that kind of that. I love playing modded guitars just because they are they're, they're throwaway in a way, but they're all same. Like they are characters. They are unique. And you you. You like playing them. I feel like maybe you're almost a little uncomfortable playing the higher instruments. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. If it comes down to like, I'm already like, I don't like touching other people. I was trying, I was playing your Les Paul Jr. I'm like, I don't want to touch this. I was like, Sean, play it. Play, play I'm the, like, no, play no, the no, 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 please don't, please like, don't. Play that guitar. Do it. <laughs> you can't make me. Um, but it comes down to is like any kind of high end, something like that is, it is that idea of like, it is the, the elite. It is, it is something that is, is, uh, and essentially a meme of itself okay and, and and a lot of times i don't want to touch it because it is it's not in my head as it's not it's not a real guitar it's it's this idea of like you don't really want to drive a ferrari every single day you can if you want but the value of it's different that's a that's an interesting viewpoint like yeah if once you do have kind of the the special thing you can't help but get a little bit less special if it's something you you do on a regular basis yeah yeah that, that does make sense like that the ferrari analogy is probably pretty good like if you asked me because just because if you would ask me 10 years ago if i wanted to drive a ferrari every day i'd be like absolutely yeah and now it's like no that no. would get uncomfortable and then you'd be worried about it and then like somebody would key it and you're like oh no my ferrari and like yeah like twenty thousand dollars later. Yeah, not that I have the option to drive a Ferrari every day, but even if I did, that wasn't I, your Ferrari out front. No, no, that wasn't <laughs> mine. No, oh, that was the neighbor. That was the neighbor. Oh, Slash is coming here. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, that's right. So, yeah, I'm making him wait though. There you go. He's. He, I feel so special. He texted me. He was just trying to come in early. I told him he has to sit out there and wait. <laughs> so, anyway, um, let's see. What's some other stuff we should talk about? We've talked. We talk a a bunch. And we talked a bunch today. We should have just had lapel mics on. Oh, there you go. That would have been classy. Um, talk about food. Yeah. Well, we're, we're gonna we're gonna talk about food. That's later, towards the end. Yeah. We 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 still got more ground to cover. But um, so I kind of made reference to it, and you talked about Tom Waits. But who are some of your your artists you you like, like or draw inspiration from? So as I've as as a teen, I was really obsessed with punk music i loved richard held and the voidoids um and then i got into like the the no wave scene be like james chance in, in the contortionist mm-hmm. and contort yourself i love that album um and then as i got older my influences kind of shifted as like more and more i interacted with different people and then i started getting like dating other girls who like had like 
they liked indie music. So then all of a sudden I went from obsessed with punk and then, okay, I liked indie music. I like, we were talking about Modest Mouse, uh, The Shins. Um, oh man, Grizzly Man, two mm -hmm. weeks was like one of my favorite. I put that on repeat forever. Um, I love that. And then uh, I got into the bend culture of of my era, which was, we'll just say it was a lot of reggae. Okay. <laughs> uh, and got into that kind of community. And then I ended up loving kind of like, um, I believe they call it technically it's ska, like original 60s ska. Okay. Um, and I really love kind of that, that offbeat. And then I ended up meeting my wife. Uh, and she is all over the board um, with music. And, and she's one of those people who's who... Like I love, like she's amazing and she's unapologetic about anything she does. Mm -hmm. And uh, for the longest time, I like there's certain music that I wouldn't let in my car, like any kind of Taylor Swift. I couldn't, I, I nothing against Taylor Swift or anything, but it just I'd never enjoyed that. And it was more like okay, I started listening to more whatever she was listening to, so I ended up getting to you know that kind of poppy music, um, rap. I was never really into rap. Mm -hmm. uh, I love love that kind of style and then ended up doing that and then i kind of hit to that point where i just went back to the classics and that's where i again i'm i love tom waits i still love a lot of my kind of like you know the dead kennedys the misfits um that kind of classic punk mm -hmm. um and, and kind of I'm all over the board. It's hard to really define myself because <laughs> if you were if you were to find my Spotify list, it's like uh, I had my my one playlist, which was I called Proto and it used to be all my my favorite Proto punks. And then as as time shifted, it's all of a sudden you have um, um, like Childish uh, Gambino in there and you have mm -hmm. Redbone and This is America or you have, you know, Snoop Dogg, Gin and Juice uh, or mm -hmm. even all the way to to uh, Kanye West, Jesus Walks like it's all over the board and and it's not really defined and it's it's kind of one of those ones where it's like help me one it helps me appreciate because it it's like it's really easy to be like oh well this one style of music sucks over the all the other but it's still someone so passionate creating something mm -hmm. and i i guess that's that's where my life kind of taught me it's like no it's someone it's no different than any music you listen to we are brought to you today by Sweetwater, specifically the Gear Exchange. You may have heard about this. This is a place where you can go to buy and sell your used gear. Maybe you got a pedal over there that's just kind of collecting dust. Maybe there's something you've been eyeing from the Sweetwater catalog. Well, right now is a great time to turn that unused gear into something you're actually going to use. Even better, if you sell on the Gear Exchange, you can keep 100% of the sale as long as you choose a Sweetwater gift card as your payout method. That is not too shabby, because let's be honest, most of this buying and selling we do is just to fund new gear purchases, and that is a great way to reach a wide variety of customers and keep 100% in your pocket, or rather, on your pedal board. So go check out the Sweetwater Gear Exchange and turn that unused gear into something that's actually going to help you write that next huge riff. Hello there. I'd like to introduce you to your new best friend, the Chase Bliss Audio Lossy. 
Mossy is a collaboration between Chase Blitz and Good Hertz. It's meant to give you some control over those weird digital artifacts that come with the recompressed audio. You're hearing it right now. All the changes that are taking place are strictly coming from my playing dynamics. I'm just interacting with the pedal and letting it do its thing. And some true stereo goodness. If you'd like some more details about Lossy, I invite you to head over to chaseflintsaudio.com. I think you're going to like what you find. It's true. It is, it's a lot easier to put our own, you know, sort of artists that we like up on a pedestal and be like, no, these are the good ones. You're all wrong. And you He's guys, number one. Yeah, like, like you don't know what you're talking about. Tom I do it all the time, honestly, and I do it very publicly, especially with a lot of bro country stuff. Yeah. I, I, I have a hard time buying that there's a lot of passion in the Friday Night Moonlight stuff. <laughs> but, uh, you know, somebody did have to spend time creating it, so I guess I can appreciate that. But um, I, I, I was very critical of things that I really had no business critiquing, you know, as a teenager. It's like, that band's terrible. That band's oh, yeah. for girls. That band's X, Y, Z. And it's like, what was I really talking about? Yeah. Like, I didn't know what I was talking about. I had no... I was trying to show off. Yeah, exactly. That's what I feel like. I was trying to show off. I had no, like, experience to draw off of to decide whether somebody was good or not. Like, I just decided that they weren't screaming, so they weren't good. Well, and I also found, like, a lot of the bands I loved as a kid like really like i i was obsessed with the violent femmes and i still love the violent femmes and and even past most people's experience with violent femmes is their first debut album but they have a lot of phenomenal other albums past that but sometimes when i listen to it it's a little too angsty for my my adult because i'm like man i was so whiny right like it's like it's like okay as as much as I love the music, I'm just like I, I can't listen to it. Sometimes it's it's still kind of sometimes like sometimes like get over it, dude. Yeah, yeah. Like come on. I'm sorry you're having a bad day, but it was kind of your own fault, right? And you need to grow up and get over exactly. it. Exactly. <laughs> do you need some ice cream? Yeah, I I I do. I, I fortunately like most of the bands that I really really loved as a teenager. I have held up for me for the most part. There's a few that I'm like, what was was i listening to like, <laughs> like i don't know about that but for the most part i still really like you know any of the ones i was really passionate about i they've stuck with me for for the most part um um thrice being the most notable example that i won't shut up about i don't i don't i'll try to stop talking about them but That's like right. i i have those people it's uh it's but that was a you know a big influence and i all this time i like i'm still trying to figure out and I talked about this on the episode with the Ryan from Fuzzerocious, but I'm trying to figure out why it took me like so many years to get a baritone. Like that's one of my favorite bands, and I finally got a baritone. Like that doesn't make any sense. Uh, another, I guess, another one of my influences in, in music I absolutely love. Mm -hmm. um, and when I play guitar, I actually play uh, is like a Delta Blues, mm -hmm. and that's one of those guitars. That I'm like, I really should. If I always play in, in D, it's like that would probably sound really awesome. Mm -hmm. 
and it's more comfortable. Yeah. It's just like, oh, this guitar was made for this tuning instead of me forcing another guitar into... Wait, you're not supposed to hear the strings hit the frets? Well, that's what I'm told. I I, I don't know. I thought that was the sound. Yeah, for years, that's how I did it. Exactly. Just tune it down. It'll be fine. (laughs) Don't change string gauges. Just tune it on down and it'll be okay. Um, But no, having that baritone is like, it really has changed. Uh, And I definitely play, play it way different than any of my other guitars. I'm just much more riffy with it than than my other stuff. I, I find that it's easier for me to write or play cooler cool riffs on baritone than it is in standard. I, I don't know why. That's another thing I've, I've, I've realized getting away from Gibson's guitars mm-hmm. is is how certain guitars want to make you want to play a certain way. Yeah. And, and more times, like, the Jaguar, I end up trying to I play a little more rockabilly or a little surf rock as much as I can because I really can't, but I try. Mm-hmm. But it's just like the idea of like there's a certain sound that's associated with that and it makes you want to play differently and other than your normal kind of style. It Oh, it really does. Um, that Rickenbacker, I talked about it early on and I haven't talked about it as much lately, but strangely, I don't play that guitar like, like most other people play Rickenbacker's. Like they, they think of them as jangle machines and that's what I thought of them as initially. And I don't do anything but like heavy fuzz, like very aggressive stuff on the Rickenbacker. I don't, it, I don't know why it makes me play that way. Like that's what I want to play when I plug it in. If I try to play the clean jangly stuff, it it's like, this isn't even the guitar that I like to do that <laughs> on. doesn't sound as good to me. Um, just Beatles covers every time. That's what that's what I associated with. It. That's <laughs> what I really thought I was gonna do, and I got it, and I'm just like, just doing all this. Didn't this uh, other stuff? Oasis have a Rickenbacker? I I don't I can't know. Remember. I didn't. I that's not a band it, I, I also ever remember, paid any attention to. It, I see. I, I have with Rickenbackers. I have two two sensations. It's one is the Beatles guitar, mm-hmm. even though it's like saying the Hoffmer bass is just the Beatle bass. Um, but it's also I remember that being like. A really big guitar for '90s kind of um, what do you want to call that? Like surf alt. Okay, I'm not I'm not quite following you. I'm not like what kind of bands? I'm trying to I'm trying like now and now I'm being on the spot. I'm like oh panic. Um, I I want to say like Oasis had one. Um, I just also remember that just being like you know like just that '90s trying to be the 60s band okay gotcha, those style gotcha, and gotcha. they ended up playing that and then you got some some sweet tones out of that and at least that one in the 12 string version mm-hmm. yeah they're they're a good time and and what's weird about it too is i a lot of like rickenbacker purists they're like oh you got to get the one with the toasters in it that's that's the one and i've played them with the toasters and i'm you know maybe this is you know treason but i like the <laughs> i like the high gains better and I find it hilarious that they're called high gains because they're so so low output, even and even compared to like toasters are extra low output. And I I'm I'm definitely not the guy chasing the hottest pickups. I I tend to like pretty low output pickups, but those are like the the toasters were too too low for me. Um, I like the high gains, and I know they don't sound quite the same, but they feel better to me. And that's all that matters. Do you like it? That's Do you true. like it? I That's do like it. all that matters. I do like it quite a bit. Screw the haters. <laughs> Got them haters. <laughs> so we already ate pizza today. So, um, I, but I and we've talked about it briefly. But we are getting close to that point in the episode where we would discuss what your favorite kind of pizza is. It's the the one made of pizza. Any kind of pizza. I love anything that has cheese, sauce, and bread. 
mm-hmm. I will eat and I'll eat by the handful. Mm-hmm. So I will say all the pizzas to be safe. Wow. Um, seems like, seems I could like troll people. I still want to troll people like, you know, the best pizza of all time is what? It's pineapple. No, it's not. It's are you sure? I'm positive. Are you positive? I'm positive. <laughs> I have checked. Uh, I, you know, I love again. I don't like pineapple pizza for the record I, that I love pineapple, but don't put it on pizza. Um, I don't know. I like a nice, nice, really cheesy, kind of saucy, really good bread or dough uh, pizza. I, whether the toppings are, your pizza was actually really nice mm-hmm. uh, with the pepperoni and, and uh, pepperoncinis. Yes. That was a good pizza. Um, but I'm, I'm not picky when it comes to pizza. If it's mm-hmm. pizza, I'm going to eat it. Well, that... If it's food, I'm going to eat it. Yeah, I hear that. I, I'm, I'm not, I'm picky with where I will choose to go get pizza. Like if it's if it's if I have the option to pick, like I'm gonna pick certain places over other places. But if it's like here's here's the little Caesars, like okay, all right, little Caesars is good. It's five dollars. You're gonna regret it tomorrow, but you're gonna love it. Yeah, it, I mean you, it, it's you can't compare it to some sort of like you know legit Italian wood fired thing or a real like New York slice or whatever. But it's not like you put it in your mouth and like, ew, this cheese and bread <laughs> and sauce is sure terrible. It's like, that just tastes pretty good. It's, fine. it's yeah. pizza. It's pizza. That said, used to get this pizza from uh, from this place in Portland because it was the only place that would deliver to my work. Oh, God. And so they would get it occasionally. And I got to be honest, like, that's like the only pizza I've turned down. <laughs> I've I've gotten I've got it before and then sometimes I would just take it and I'd just slide all the toppings off and then just throw the crust in the garbage because it was terrible. Like I've had better frozen pizzas. It was bizarre. I guess I ha- I've had one pizza and, and I'm kind of shameful of this um, that had like it was a giant pizza mm-hmm. and, and we bought it for work and everyone's supposed to eat it. But it had like the soapy taste to it. That's kind of what this had. Going yeah, right. On. And yeah. I'm like, OK, was it the, the pot itself? Um, and no one's going to eat it. And so I just, I ate it myself mm-hmm. and I wasn't enjoying it, but <laughs> you're not going to just leave pizza out to not be eaten. I think I did take it home. I, I, this pizza that I'm talking about and I'm not going to be slamming it, the local business that you everyone support local, buy. by the way. Yeah, that's right. They can, uh, they can find out for themselves, but, uh, it was pizza that i would have left on the table and that's saying something <laughs> for me like it was like dry and like I'm like this crust is just something's wrong with the crust it's it's it was like powdery and weird do you and, ever do it dip it in ranch no see that's where like if it's a really bad pizza like my wife loves the frozen pizzas like it's one of those guilty pleasures she's like she knows for a fact that it's like don't <laughs> judge her for it she's like i know i'm embarrassed myself but she loves it from from her own i think like, from being like in college right? yeah exactly i think it was from being in college and mm-hmm. it was either ramen or, or or cheap pizzas right um so whenever she buys those i'm like okay do we have ranch? Because I think that's the only way I can actually eat those pizzas without like kind of like gagging a little bit. So I I'll, I will dip that. I will have pizza with my ranch. Yeah, I think I would just have to. I think I would just have to pass. <laughs> I'm not a big ranch dressing fan, uh, so it would like make it. It would almost make it worse. I think for me, potentially. But, I just don't like. Don't waste food. Yeah, that's right. I'm, just, <laughs> I, I'm big on that. I do not like to see food go to waste, even if I'm not a big fan of it. But at the same time, 
That or put hot sauce too. So like I hot can't sauce. taste I can't taste it in the end. There you go. That's a good solution. <laughs> I could hose something down with some uh some I don't know, some Franks or something. Exactly. And, and call it, that 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 can rescue a that can rescue just about anything. Except maybe ice cream. Maybe. I don't know. Let's try this. Uh funny story. So we're trying to I had a dog who she liked to get up on our counter Mm -hmm. and we ended up reading um hopefully this doesn't offend people um reading that a good way to get your dog to not get up on the counter and eat food is put hot sauce on on something that she will smell it and be like okay you don't want to get it Mm -hmm. so we ended up getting okay i had frank hot sauce i love buffalo wings like i will eat those Mm. every day of my life um especially when i'm sick i will always want buffalo wings mm-hmm. um so we ended up trying frank's hot sauce and then my dog was like no i like that so <laughs> so she ends up eating the hot sauce and then we get even spicier hot sauce which was like a uh, like a i can't remember what it is and she was like again loved it mm-hmm. and then we ended up getting this thing called it was like like devil sauce and at this point like we're like okay we can't this is this idea is dumb like I guess this isn't working this isn't working she obviously likes hot sauce and and she ends up we get this like super hot stuff and that was the only time she didn't so i have this giant jar of like super super hot <laughs> hot sauce and and usually that's reserved for when when i can't eat something but i know i need to eat it because it's food right it's food and we should consume it exactly so, good in burritos what's that it's good in burritos oh okay burritables yeah i um the guy that uh the quick plug for fear the riff um but which i'm by Coming the time soon. this drops I'll probably be in the air or almost by the time this comes out. So weird timing. But um, the guy that runs through the rift, Johnny, he has, owns a hot sauce company. Oh, there you go. And uh, he's got one called Riff Lord that I am like addicted to. It's so good on anything that hot sauce would be good on. This is just even better. It's super, super good. So he's his uh, his company's called uh, Heartbreaking Dawns for anybody. Uh, and they didn't sponsor this episode, but... Uh, Oh, well, <laughs> really, really, really good hot sauce. Um, heartbreaking Dawns. I like it. Even though they got a, they got one called the 1498 and it's the scorpion pepper one. Ooh. And I, I, it, you know, I can only take so much heat, <laughs> but that one's so good. Like I have to like hit myself with it once in a while. Just like, let me, let me hit me, hit me a little bit of that on some eggs and I eat it. And I'm like, this is so delicious. It's going to hurt in just a second. But oh, there it is. Ah! I, I have a bad habit. Like, I love spicy food. Mm-hmm. And I have a bad habit of, like, uh, it's really hot. And and I'll eat it. And, like, my wife is, like, next to me. She's like, oh, my God, it's burning my eyes. It's so hot. I'm like, oh, it's fine. So I'll eat it, and I'll eat it, and I'll eat a lot. And mm-hmm. all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, God, I'm dying. There it is. Well, there, it finally yeah. hits me to the point where I'm, like, I, I start, like, hiccuping. That happened to, uh, we were at a, a, a Chinese restaurant. Uh, and I, I can't remember what I got, but it had like the full chilies mm-hmm. and, and I was like, it was in the spoonful. I was like, oh, I'll just eat it. It's fine. Yeah. And it was fine for a couple seconds. And then it really hit me. And then my eyes started watering and it looked like I was crying and we were getting in a fight at some restaurant. But <laughs> my wife's like, I swear I didn't say anything. <laughs> the hot stuff is weird. I haven't done that much research into it, but I like, I like spicy food. Um, but what I find really weird about certain hot things, it's like, you have to keep eating it. Yes. And it's when you stop that the fire really hits you. <laughs> so it's like, oh, this is going to be so bad when this bowl's empty. Like, it's kind of hot right now, but I know if I stop. Like, it's like the wall of fire just 
comes in. I don't know what that's about. It's killing your taste buds. Is that, like, is that what it is? It's most likely it's yeah. like your your taste buds are getting censored overload, and then by the time they realize what's happening, they're like, okay, they're gone. <laughs> it's just too late. It's too late. Oh man, that is a. And then your stomach's like, what did you just do to me? Usually, so that's what's interesting is like usually if I can get it past like the hot mouth and everything, I'm okay. Seem to be able to digest it okay. Uh, it's but sometimes it's going you know trying just trying to eat it. And I, that's the battle. <laughs> it's really I love it. I love spicy food, but I have a hard time. It varies so much. It's like this local Thai place. You know, my buddy was like, "Careful!" And they start with a three. It's pretty hot, and so I started with a three. I'm like, "Say hot!" Like, and I went to the four, and the five was their hottest. Five didn't seem that hot to me, and I'm not. I'm not a tough guy, so it. It. I just. My point is, is it varies, and then I've had. Uh, I've had stuff. We have a place that's been on like diners, drive-ins, and dives a lot around here. Uh, called uh, Oh Salvador Molly's. Have you yeah, been there? Yeah, 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 yeah. So I got that. I can't remember what level I got for my jambalaya. I got like a mid-level one, and it was pretty hot. And then all of a sudden, it killed me. I couldn't. I couldn't eat anymore. But there was quite a bit left. I was like, I'll take it home. Maybe I'll dilute it with some eggs or something. <laughs> Put some milk in it. Yeah, like we'll we'll be okay. <clears throat> but like I was like I had to tap out. I couldn't eat it. It was it was too hot. Next day, threw it in the bowl, warmed it up, and I was like I'll take a couple bites and see what I need to do. Ate the whole thing, no problem. Really? And I didn't even. It was like it's kind of hot. I don't know. I feel like it changes on a day to day basis. Well, I mean that's true, and and I don't know if this is the general general thing. Um, I used to work for a liquor store and there was a product done by a local company, um, which was, uh, wasabi mm-hmm. vodka. Oh yeah. Well, we'll get, get this. So that sounds a little bit, not like it's, something for me. It's dangerous. It's complete, like mainly for bloody Mary's. Mm-hmm. Um, so then, you know, it sold somewhat well, it had his, his things, but then all of a sudden we got this mass sent out email being like, please take this off the shelf. This is dangerous. Please don't do it. What? Because what happened was, and they didn't think about this, is they made it so spicy that the more you open up the 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 bottle, the spicier it got. So by by the time people were getting towards like the end of the bottle, it was like it was undrinkable and like it was dangerous to even touch it because it was just like burn your hands. Really? It was funny. Yeah. It I that was like the only time I've ever gotten a, a product recall. I was like, I kind of want to try this. <laughs> right. <laughs> does, can I take one home? Does, does that liquor get recalled that often? No, very rarely. Um, I worked uh, eight years in the liquor industry, and I probably had it happen like three times. Oh, the, 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 the what happens? There's three things that happen. One, like a bad recipe like that. Um, mm-hmm. But a lot of times is uh, you'll have stuff from like a filter filter situ- situation, like tequilas. A lot of tequilas will end up having like the the what they filter it through mm-hmm. is like this like blue kind of foamy stuff um, and it, it will like deteriorate and it'll go into the bottle um, and then actually most of them tend to be tequilas not bashing tequilas tequilas are fun um, per just, se just, just coincidentally just, just coincidentally mm-hmm. and then you also had a, another big one and this was like big news um, this giant liquor company that has numbers on it uh, I don't want to <laughs> say just in case they're listening because they're following us. Um, oh, oh boy. Oh yeah. Uh, um, they ended up having. They were known for for you can put 
you can tip the tequila upside down and it would pour the perfect shot and then the lid had like this like a oh that sounds familiar you, yeah. you've probably seen it because there was a ton of commercials for it and it had the guy from um uh the sopranos he was like the, yeah, the, he yeah, was on yeah, there yeah, okay. um but what happened is is they got a bad batch of glass so the glass just started to deteriorate oh no yeah so all of a sudden you got this really bad recall notice that you're like okay take this off the shelf sending it back to the manufacturer because mm -hmm. it's this you'd look at it and there's there's just kind of this white there's glass kind of glass yeah. kind of stuff and it was that was probably the worst but for the most part it's usually kind of manufacturer error and it, it comes down to making it hot or the labels wrong because um, they there's a lot of rules that like, your companies have to follow um, especially especially with like the um the surgeon general's mm -hmm. uh uh notice on it if it doesn't have like a label screwed up on that they can't sell it they legally have to like take it off the shelf mm -hmm. so a lot of times you associate with that but there's not very liquor is like that one thing it's like very safe in in the sense of um there's not much you can do to screw it up right as long as you uh you can screw yourself up <laughs> right but with, you can't screw it up yeah yeah <laughs> It's funny that, that even this day and age, like, I understand why it would have come into play when it came into play, but, like, the, you were just talking about the Surgeon General's label being a big deal. It's, like, it's kind of funny that this day and age is, like, yeah, people need to know. Like, that, if you drink too much of that, it's not good for you. Like <laughs> Anything in moderation. I mean, it's true. And, I mean, that, that being said, it's, like, you would think that, but I've also... Being on in the side of the liquor store, I have like those horror stories. You're just like, how are you a human being? Right. It's just it's just like that bizarre. It's weird. It's I just don't think the label is going to stop that guy. No, it's not going <laughs> to. stop. No, th there's there's not much stopping that guy. No, clearly. including myself. <laughs> you're like, here you go, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> Good times. Yeah. Well, we finally uh, we've uh, hit that uh, hour mark just to touch over. But is uh, there anything else you'd like to plug before uh, before we wrap this up? Uh, support Blake. Support the community. Um, Gun Street is really focused. I really, it sounds really funny to say, but I really don't care about the money. I really care about the community and, and what you do in the community and how it can help other people. Um, growing up, the community is one of the biggest things about myself. So anything you can do to support the community, whether listening to Blake or just, you know, talking with other people about guitars, just help out. Follow, follow Gunstreet on Instagram, Facebook. Don't follow us on Instagram. <laughs> Your choice. No, I said follow. Do follow. It. There do, you go. Do it. No, yeah. No, it, it's a, it, that's what's great about Sean and why we, we talked and I was excited to have him on the show even you know, you know, he, as you guys have heard, he sponsored the, the show quite a bit, but he's very uh, focused on the guitar community and how it's helped him in his life. And he wants to, you know, give back. And I Trend really favorite. appreciate that and uh, appreciate you taking the time to come down. And it was a uh, it was great talking to you. Thanks so much. So for Sean, this is Blake. And as always, folks, good luck and good tones. <laughs> I gotta say, I'm kind of digging this uh, more live in studio approach to this uh, this stuff. As as a lot of you guys know, 99.9% .9 of these are done remote, and a they don't sound quite as good, and b uh, it's just kind of the nature. No one can drop what they're doing and 
fly to Portland for a session, nor can I travel the country uh, to talk to, or the world in some cases, to uh, talk to these people. So remote podcasting is the name of the game most of the time. That said, I'm really liking this live in-studio stuff. It uh, It's a little more personal. It's a little more... Um, it's a little weird because I'm not used to having a big mic in my face quite in the same way while I'm while I'm trying to look at someone and have a conversation. But that said, this is working out pretty well, I think, and we're going to try to do more of it. There's a lot of people local to me that are in the industry and, you know, hopefully maybe when people happen to pop in from out of town, we can take some time, do a little casting and and catch up at the same time. So, hopefully we're going to bring more live from the shred shed type things. For you guys. That said, there is about another 30 minutes or so of this podcast that we went ahead and recorded. Um, we recorded an extra kind of bonus content sort of episode for the Patreon page. So if you go to tonemob.com slash, no, I'm always saying tonemob.com, but in this case that's wrong. Patreon.com slash tonemob is actually the place. That's patreon.com slash tonemob. And you can see the different levels there. You know, you can support the show for as little as $1 a month, and that, that actually helps a lot more than what you would think. Uh, at the $5 level, you start getting extra bonus weekly episodes. And there's some other levels there that you can research if you're interested, but at $5 a month, you get a bonus ex- a bonus a bonus episode every week. So, more content for your ears. Um, usually, it's uh, my good friend Justin Porter and I, uh, just shooting the breeze in the shred shed talking about gear he's a very active member of the community and one of my best friends so you can imagine the vibes a little bit different but that said sometimes i get the guests for extra time and i'm going to try to push as much of that as we can but it's all kind of up to whether the guests have the time to do it or not so anyway that's where you go for that information and if you could do me a favor and share this show with just one friend uh, somebody you think uh, might get something out of it, just uh, just tell them about it. Uh, sharing online is is great, and that's how most people find it. But there's a kind of a personal touch uh, that comes from like a recommendation. Like, I mean, that's how I got into podcasting was by Leon being like, "You need to listen to these guitar podcasts." So it's uh, sometimes takes that that good uh, personal connection to get people to pull the trigger, and that really really helps out around here if you can if you can make that happen. And one last thing to plug before the show is officially over. This is the last episode that will be coming out before I am attending Fear the Riff. So I'm flying out in a couple days to New York City. I'll be there August 11th, Saturday, August 11th. That is just here in a couple days as of this episode's dropped. And I hope to see you guys there. I'm going to have some swag for people. If you are a listener of the show, you know that you need to contact me, info at tonemob.com, and I might be able to do a little something as far as getting you into the show goes. So that's Fear the Riff, Brooklyn, New York, and I really hope to see you there. It's gonna be it's gonna be great, and I'm really excited uh, to meet everybody and to play a whole bunch of new pedals. Cause who isn't excited about that? So anyway, thank you guys for listening. We'll be coming at you next week, and until then, take care. One last thing before we totally sign off here, I just want to remind you that if you do any shopping at Stringjoy, that's Stringjoy Guitar Strings made in Nashville, that will help me out as well. As I've said for years, I'm heavily involved in that company, 
and I really do think they're making the best products on the market. So if you would like to try custom strings, go to ToneMob.com Stringjoy and check them out today. I seriously, seriously, seriously love what the team down there is doing. I help them out with all kinds of things, and by you supporting them, you are also supporting me as well. And hey, you need some strings, so why not get some custom strings just for your guitar and playing style? Again, the link for that is ToneMob.com Stringjoy, and that will take you right to their website, and you can do all your shopping through there, and that will help everyone involved out. So thank you very much. Talk to you next time. We are brought to you by the wonderful folks at Gun Street Wiring Shop. Yes, Gun Street Wiring Shop. I've talked about them before. I used to say based out of Bend, Oregon, but guess what? Sean moved to my neck of the woods. Sean's in Portland. Sean is awesome and has helped me with a bunch of stuff lately. And if you have wiring needs for your guitar, he can help you too. If you want to get weird with it, he can get weird. If you just need to spruce things up a little bit, there's your guy. He takes all the guesswork out of doing your guitar wiring, and he makes it simple, and his customer service is top-notch, and I can't say enough good things about Gunstreet as a company. I really respect Sean and what he's all about, and the product is top-notch. I've got three different guitars that now have Gunstreet harnesses in them, and I could not be happier. So go to GunstreetWiringShop.com and check them out. Hey you, do you have any plans this year? Ha! How's that going? Do you get 2020? Well, welcome to a brand new podcast called 2020, where myself, Benny Goodman, and my good friends Corey Pazin and Siobhan Cronin from the band Lost Symphony also got 2020. And since the world ended this year, we decided why not just check in with some of our friends in the music industry and see how everyone's doing. We're going to get a candid look at life on and off the stage, as well as the mindset of some of the most successful people in the entertainment industry. New episodes drop every Sunday and Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern. And you can listen at Tuesday. 020-D.com, SoundTalentMedia.com, or on your favorite podcast app. What's up, everybody? I am Finn McKenty, host of the Punk Rock NBA podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media podcast network. My podcast is all about doing what you love for a living, and every week I sit down and talk to people who have done exactly that. For example, musicians like Tommy from Between the Buried Me, Matt from Periphery, Lil Lotus and Shinigami, among many others, photographers, artists, designers, YouTubers like Glenn Fricker and Sarah Dietschy, and I unpack exactly how they got to where they are today with the goal of helping you do the same. So if that sounds cool, you can listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com, and I'll see you there.